Ladies and gentlemen, today I'll give you a small crash course on the seven different sources of international law. They are custom, treaties, general principles of law, judicial decisions, juristic writings, equity, and other sources. I promise you that after listening to this episode, you will know the basic meaning of these sources of law, the relevant legal provisions involved in each of these sources, along with the important case laws. So let's begin. By sources of international law, I mean the origins or places from which the rules and principles of international law are derived. And these sources help establish the legal framework that governs the relations between countries. You must be thinking that why study about the sources of international law? Why not simply study what international law is? Why take all this trouble? It is because the sources of international law collectively shape the rules and principles that guide the behavior of nations in the international community. And by understanding these sources, you will gain insight into how international law is formed and adopted to address global challenges and promote cooperation among countries. Here, the most important legal provision you are supposed to remember is Article 38 of the Statute of the International Court of Justice, ICJ. It provides for six different sources of international law that are to be applied by the courts while deciding a dispute. These six sources are customs, treaties, general principles of law, judicial decisions, juristic writings, and equity. Let's understand them one by one. The first source is custom. It is like the unwritten rules that countries follow because they have been doing it for a very long time and every country believes that it is the right thing to do. For example, most countries agree that it's not okay to attack other countries without a good reason. This understanding has become a custom that everyone expects and follows. Even though there might not be a specific written agreement or law, it's understood that attacking another country without a good reason is impermissible in international law. Malcolm Shaw, a famous writer on international law, defines custom as a long-established and commonly adopted practice that has acquired the force of law. Thus, even if something is not a law in the traditional sense of the term, still if it is treated or equated with a law, then it could be said that it has acquired the force of law. You are also required to know that there are two preconditions that need to be met before a custom becomes a valid custom in international law, state practice and opinio juris. These reflect the manner in which states behave and incorporate the custom into their own law. To know more about state practice and opinio juris, please watch my earlier episode, the link for which has been provided in the description below. Now, broadly speaking, there are three types of customs, general, regional, and local. General customs are followed universally in most places and jurisdictions. Regional customs are rules that bind only a particular group of states in a particular region. For example, North America may have its own regional customs distinct from South America or Asia or Europe. 
and local customs are rules that bind only a small number of states in a limited geographical area like india pakistan and sri lanka may have a local custom that may not be followed elsewhere lastly the importance of custom as a source of law has been discussed in various cases such as the lotus case and the case of nicaragua versus united states the next source of international law that you should know is treaty it has been defined in article 2a of the vienna convention of law of treaties 1969 vclt as an international agreement concluded between states in written form and governed by international law thus essentially a treaty is a written agreement between two or more countries and is subjected to various principles of international law the nomenclature of treaties is immaterial and you may call it as an agreement or a pact or a convention or a protocol or a charter or any other similar term you should also know that a treaty between two nations is called a bilateral treaty and a treaty between two or more nations is called a multilateral treaty sometimes even non state actors may also become part of a treaty a good example is paris agreement on climate change where civil society organizations such as the climate action network can became a part of it here you must also know that all the treaties must be observed and performed in good faith this is called the principle of pacta sunt servanda it has been provided in article 26 of vclt to know more about pacta sunt servanda please watch my earlier episode now there are various examples of treaties such as the antarctic treaty of 1959 patent law treaty of 2000 vclt of 1969 kyoto protocol of 1997 and the relevance of these treaties as a source of international law has also been discussed in many cases such as the north sea continental shelf case next the third source of international law is general principles of law which is fairly limited in scope it is also a term that is hard to define and simply means general principles that guide different legal systems such as the principle of good faith doctrine of res judicata principle of estoppel doctrine of proportionality and the principle of pacta sunt servanda general principles of law are regarded as a source of international law because the international law is relatively new and many times issues arise on which there is no international law whatsoever and in those circumstances the court may apply a legal principle that is usually applied in various domestic or internal legal systems of different countries further these general principles have also been applied in plethora of cases to fill the uncovered gaps arising in international law from time to time some of the pertinent cases are corzo factory case german settlers in poland case and the corfu channel case The fourth source of international law is judicial decisions. It means the judgments and orders that are passed by the international courts on different matters at different points of time. You should know that Article 38 of ICJ statute regards judicial decisions as a subsidiary means of determining law. What do we mean by subsidiary means? 
इट मीन्स अ सेकेंडरी सोर्स ऑफ लॉ रादर देन एन एक्चुअल सोर्स ऑफ लॉ अ सोर्स ऑफ लॉ दैट इज एट अ लोअर पेडेस्टल फर्दर आर्टिकल फिफ्टी नाइन ऑफ द आई सी जे स्टेच्यूट प्रोवाइड्स दैट द डिसीजन ऑफ द आई सी जे हैज नो बाइंडिंग फोर्स एक्सेप्ट एज बिटवीन द पार्टीज हु हैव सबमिटेड दैम सेल्फ्स टू इट्स ज्यूरिस्डिक्शन सो इफ इंडिया एंड पाकिस्तान सबमिट अ डिस्प्यूट बिफोर द आई सी जे the decision of the icj would be binding only on india and pakistan and only for that particular matter even if a similar matter arises in the future both the countries will again have to file a dispute before the icj however this does not mean that judicial decisions are not important they are still relevant because of the doctrine of precedent according to which courts follow their previous decisions when deciding similar cases and generally speaking the courts do not depart from its settled jurisprudence unless there are compelling reasons to do so and the importance of judicial decisions as a source of law has also been discussed in many cases like the genocide convention case the notebom case and the case of cameroon versus nigeria the fifth source of international law in this series is juristic or academic writings again like judicial decisions article 38 regards them as a subsidiary means of determining law that is a source of law that is at a lower pedestal however this again does not mean that academic writings are irrelevant the influence of academic writing in the development of international law has been immense scholars such as gentili hugo grossius vettel and pifendorf were considered as the supreme authorities of their times on international law however with the rise in the number of international treaties the significance of academic writings has definitely reduced to an extent nevertheless good books on international law are still being cited by the lawyers before the international courts and whenever a new branch of international law is to be developed the academic writers play an important role in giving proper shape to it some of the pertinent examples of juristic and academic writings are the oxford handbook of international law and the famous book of the law of nations by emer de wetel now the sixth and the last source of international law as per article 382 of the icj statute is equity Actually the term used in article 38 is a latin term ex equo et bono that literally means as per what is equitable and good it basically means the body of principles constituting what is fair and right and represents the various values present in a legal system it includes principles and doctrines such as rule of law natural justice peaceful coexistence and other similar principles honestly i find the principles of equity to be quite similar to general principles of law nevertheless the icj statute has made a distinction between the two so that is why we should study them and like other sources of law the principles of equity have also been applied consistently by the international courts in various cases such as the run of kach arbitration between india and pakistan in the year 1968 north sea continental shelf cases and the legality of the threat 
और यूज ऑफ न्यूक्लियर वेपन एडवाइजरी ओपिनियन केस फर्दर अपार्ट फ्रॉम दी जस्ट डिस्कस्ड सिक्स सोर्सेज ऑफ इंटरनेशनल लॉ देर आर सम अदर सोर्सेज ऑफ इंटरनेशनल लॉ एज वेल दैट हैव नॉट बीन रिकॉग्नाइज अंडर आर्टिकल 38 एट ऑफ द आईसीजे स्टैच्यूट येट दे आर लाइबल टू बी कंसिडर्ड एज वेलिड सोर्सेज ऑफ इंटरनेशनल लॉ दीज अदर सोर्सेज ऑफ इंटरनेशनल लॉ जनरली इवॉल्व इन डेवलपमेंट ऑफ न्यू लॉज एंड फ्रॉम न्यू इंटरप्रिटेशन ऑफ एग्जिस्टिंग लॉज some of the key examples are un security council resolutions you would be surprised to know that these resolutions are considered as binding by virtue of article 24 and 25 of the un charter according to which the members of united nations must accept and carry out the decisions of the security council so now you understand why security council is considered as more important than the general assembly of united nations another source of international law could be soft laws such as the codes of practice of standards and recommendations and guidelines by various international bodies from time to time soft law basically indicates an instrument or provision that is not a law but its importance within the international system is such that particular attention requires to be paid to it similarly works of international law commission and other international bodies such as ancitral involved in drafting and formulation of law also act as a source of international law in many cases last but not the least unilateral acts like annexation of crimea by russia may also give rise to international legal obligations at times and may be considered as a source of international law so that was all about the sources of international law in nutshell i hope you enjoyed listening to the show and please do not forget to like and subscribe see you next time till then stay tuned